0: But that's that mentoring experience, and that's what podcasts, and that's what we hope our podcasts become for people, is an opportunity to to almost like a masterclass situation. Because uh, there are teachers out there who who are rock starring, uh, who understand what it takes to do what we do, but nobody knows who they are. Nobody's heard their voice. No one's... No one's, you know. There's not a camera in every teacher's room capturing all these moments and, and putting them in a file. And you may have never experienced it, and then you may listen to it on a podcast, and then all of a sudden you experience it, and it's like, oh, I remember them saying, okay, this is how you, okay, got it. And even though it may be like, no, I can't do that, but it gives me an idea. It sparks an idea in my mind of what
1: I can do. What is good, everybody? Welcome back to the Value Add Value Podcast. My name is Kyle Krieger, and I couldn't be more thrilled to be joined today by my guy, Will V Law III. Will, what's happening?
0: Oh, man, what's going on? Loving being down here in the H right now. You know, the weather's kind of great. It's not too cold, not too hot. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, trying to, trying to learn to thrive in, in everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. And just, you know. Mm-hmm making it happen so i'm yeah. excited to be here because
1: this this is our second podcast since you've been married though some of the second time second we've to second, second podcast time. since i've been wow. married second yeah. podcast so uh yeah we just uh yeah it's been crazy that we've been married five weeks now
2: no congratulations man that's that's <laughs> thank big. you
1: thank That's you. big. And that's a
2: marathon man it's a marathon yeah somebody's been married I got my years, man. I got my years, man. It's a marathon, yeah. man. Run, a, yeah. you know, run your laps. Yeah,
1: so <laughs> Brian, Brian. That, uh, that voice you hear uh, is a, a good friend of ours who's got a new book out. Wanted to talk to him about that, but also just uh, a person whose perspective we appreciate, especially now in this time of COVID, because we're really trying to work on seeing the big picture and, and getting more of a perspective outside of just our teaching practices. Principal Amen Ra, what is good, my friend?
2: Man, what is good? It is, it is revolutionary times right now with the, with just COVID, the pandemic, and you know. But thanks for having me back, man. I remember when we yeah. first did this months ago. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it is an honor to be back on your platform to just connect with, with two, two kings to just talk. Talk that talk and education and liberation and revolutionary and optimism, all that good stuff, man. So I'm yeah. happy to be here and uh, thank you for a- inviting me back, man. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we, so we, 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 we all came on to the zoom call about five minutes ago and it just like all of a sudden was just blowing up with all of these things. So we wanted to make sure we hit, uh, hit the record button on here for, for those listeners that might not have listened to our prior episode, could you give uh, them just a little bit of your background and where you're at, and your school, and all that jazz?
2: Absolutely, man. I'm born and raised from Compton, California. Uh, I come from a family of educators. My father uh, is known as uh, Professor Amin Ra. He helped build the Long Beach State Black Studies Department, like establish it. Because uh, if you know about in the in the '60s and '70s, establishing a Black Studies department at, on, on a, a predominantly white institution was was an uphill battle so coming from a family of educators and even though that uh, my father was this prominent figure in education and growing up in Compton I still didn't have no desires of being in education I still have my struggles of uh, being exposed to two things that can change my circumstances which is pick up a ball pick up a mic and I tried both to try to get myself out of uh, what is conditionally think to be in poverty right and uh and to learn that it was really poverty of the mind and not poverty of the soul and spirit so uh as i went through life through football and all that stuff i found my hidden treasure by reading one of my favorite books called the alchemist um which is the story of santiago and i found my hidden purpose uh which is to always inspire young people and to revolutionize the educational experience, which made me uh, want to do the principalship, which is uh, dismantle like the first part of principalship of being like a warden over the school and own the principalship of liberation through education. And um, it led me to write my own book off of my experiences and just trying to spread knowledge to young people to let them know that they could change the world and the world don't have to change them. Mm,
1: I remember. I remember distinctly when will it must have been right at it will and i's relationship started really got tight when he noticed that my personal life not my teaching life was the problem and the alchemist was the first book he ever recommended to me and we have had so many conversations about books and i i read or listen to the audio of the alchemist at least once or twice every year Yeah. yeah yeah
0: Yeah, powerful, powerful. And I think the idea and the alchemist of being like that kind of forever apprentice. You know, as you're seeking the great one, mm-hmm. you're you're not even recognizing the greatness that you're achieving as you're on that journey. Yep. And mm-hmm. and I think that in education, we we don't really focus on the journey so much. You know, we're we've become so outcome focused on. You know, are the school school are the school scores where they need to be? You know, are the student numbers where they're supposed to be? Instead of looking at the the whole the whole deal yep. and saying, are our kids learning something from this journey that they're all that when they you know Carl and I talked about it before, what how, are we teaching them what they need post COVID? Yeah. You know, because these are still the people who are going to go out into the workforce. Yep. You know, yep. and so we have, and we were gonna I was gonna get to this right before we got on, but. I was gonna say, this is the greatest time for us to be teaching young minds to do that, what you have up there. Change no. the world, don't let the world change you. Absolutely, they're living that message right that right now, every single day.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, like this notion right now of like, students are failing, students are failing. It's a notion of what used to be, mm. right? Like they're failing to the standards off of what? Used to be. Like, really, they're not even failing, they're adapting. Students are adapting right now, right? Like, society is adapting. So, if we looked at the context of like, our young people in schools are adapting to changing, to change, like adaptive, it's like you're changing. So, that process of changing, like in science, like you have the desired state and then you have your current state. And in the middle, there's the ecotone. Wow. and it's all messy right it's sticky it's it's problematic with that process that journey like santiago it's it's it fights it's with getting it's it's a it's a journey so if we looked at it and as a principal i looked at it like this is adaptation right now this is the process of adapting it's not failing right so like right, that's how we attack it because we're trying to change The outcomes right but the journey of that desired state can't be lost and I think like you're right man you nailed it like we have to enjoy the journey and I struggle with it personally all right because you can get so hyper focused on stuff uh, that's that's results driven that you forget that like dang man I've I've come a long way Right. And, you, you know, so uh, I think that's what the, the education and, and, and adapting and what young people is about. It's the journey for sure.
0: You know, and you said something, you know, you, 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 you talk it and your book is named after the word revolutionary. Yeah. That word itself is a shakeup. Yep. It's a revolt. And anytime you have a revolt, that conflict, you're going to have that dissonance in what's what you're used to being the norm.
2: Yep. yep.
0: And if you really are diligent, you know, you, you spoke about how your school being prepared because you had already kind of started going into the mindset of what you're doing, you know, where we are now. I know my principal, he came in two years ago. We were a brand new campus. You know, he's the first principal of this school. And he came in. The very first thing he told us is we can't teach Wi-Fi kids with landline strategies.
2: Uh-huh. uh uh-huh
0: that right now just rests on top of me because I'm like, because he set that in place two years ago, I'm almost coasting right now. It's just bringing the kids up to speed to knowing I got it, now let me teach you how to do it. And we gotta give them that that grace period to, as you say, evolve and adapt.
2: Yeah, and you know, in that, like unpacking that is wide, right? Because, you know, you're talking about years on years on years of you know a evolutionary process that took place in education like that gradual slow change and like revolutionary is an immediate impact is drastic right and you know to to have that initial shock some people like you have these like all these um institutions across the nation like it's fun they, they 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 sound cool right they want to have disruptors in education and all these these buzzwords until they think they're talking about it but it's like no I need you to now be about it. I need you to do something about it and it needs to be immediate you need that shock value to make a positive impact right so you know you got the good tagline of of words and all that but then it's like what are we gonna do? Right to make an immediate impact right and for our school two years I opened the school in 2018 um and it was it was within and i also say this you can you only can be a revolutionary to a certain degree working within the system right uh like that's just the reality but um you know within the school we were we knew that like yo social media virtual uh this world of of uh, uh, the society is moving at a rapid pace the jobs that my kids are going to be attacking don't even exist right now. Think about what the pandemic has just created. Life of a podcast, life of digital marketing, life of every single person is their own brand. Wow. Like every party is their own brand. The life of like, forget the middleman, right? Like all these different things. If we're not teaching that in our, like how, how can we say we're teaching our kids to be career and life ready If we're not teaching them the basic skills to survive, I'm going to say survive, and I hate that word, survive in a world that is enriched in capitalism, right? And two things that are enriched in capitalism is the ability to market and the ability to sell.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: But we don't teach that in our public education. So how can I now still provide this sacred knowledge of the things that you need with math, but let's, let's bring that back to how you can apply it. That's the relevance. Right, like my academic philosophy is three things, relationships, relevance, and rigor. But what does that look like? Relationships with the intent of belonging, relevance with everything having a purpose. I'm teaching you this math, I'm not just teaching you quadratic equations just because, I gotta bring you to why quadratic equations is relevant, relevant in the real world. And not only relevant in the real world, relevant to you and what you wanna do, right? so. You know, uh, it's, man, you don't even know if I answered the question. I just kind of went on a tangent, man. But
1: no, me. And, and, and that was the thing. I don't, it, Wilkie and I, over the summer, were having this conversation about rigor and what rigor was going to look like this school year. And we we actually looked the word up, and Will, correct me if I'm wrong, but it doesn't say difficult. It doesn't say challenging. It says expansive and far-reaching completely engulfing in something not we're making this generically difficult to add rigor in that regard and it just strikes me as like what you just said about real world skills like i would assume it's probably safe to say that you think every kid should have some type of digital video class and audio and a class on how to code and stuff like that Absolutely. To, to give them those real world skills.
2: Absolutely. I mean, I, I'm a firm believer. I mean, I'm a, I'm a high school principal. Right. So like I'm a firm believer in like I want to get my students to a living wage. Right. I want to get them to life like getting them to college. If you unpack the data, getting them like then. They don't get all the support. Like, for example, we do a lot of culturally responsive trauma-informed practices at our school. And we do all this work, and then a lot of our students get to an institution and then they don't get that. Right? Like they they in their English class here, they're getting a lot of culturally responsive, a lot of sacred knowledge. And then they may go to an institution in which that professor can care less about you finding who you are, right? And I gotta give them that with understanding like still how to navigate. But then you see a rate of many students dropping out of the first semester, coming back home that summer and never going back. Culture, all these different things. And I'm like, well, what happens? What what happens? The community stays the same. And I tell people all the time, like as an educator, are you someone who's trying to operate at a high level in an inequitable system? or Are you trying to operate at a high level in an inequitable system, but also change the fact that it's an inequitable system, right? And my way of doing that is saying like, nope, we're we're with you and we're creating a, a program that we're with you to support you until you get to a living wage right? So you always can come back to our school alumni to be like, hey, I need support in these areas. These are, And we put structures in place that's designated for kids and our young people to a living wage. In order for a living wage, I have to now as a principal have a vision for my young people that they don't see right now. That we're in 2020, 2021 with a pandemic, a lot of things have shifted, right? Like, am I trying to teach them to go and first, I'm trying to teach them about ownership first. Right? I want you to be the boss of your life, the ownership of your mind, right? And then now, what are skills that are needed? What is the world looking at? What are the industries that are hiring for young people? What are the industries that need to come in our community? Right? So we're looking at, I'm we in Compton and Watts, we don't, have no, we don't have no tech industry in our in our area, right? But there's a lot of businesses that need tech support. We don't have no social media marketing in our area but there's a whole bunch of business in Compton that need social so why are they why are we outsourcing to every other company to uplift our community no let's teach our students the skills of business to business not just business to consumer right so in order to do that how about i teach you how to code because it's like if you everybody's on this device it's like everybody. If in the in my my opinion, this year to, five years from now, if you are a business and you don't have your own app, it's like what are you doing? Right now, it's like if you don't got your own merch, it's a bare minimum. You got dropped, You it's like you everybody got their own merch nowadays. So business ownership, everybody is pivoting. You know, so those are the skills I want to give our students. Instead of just saying like, hey, I just need you to get some conform skills to work for somebody else and then continue the cycle of oppression. So that's, that's kind of like the philosophy in which we go by. And that, to me, that is um, something that's an immediate impact for my young people.
0: And you know, but what you just described is what we defined as rigor. Mm-hmm. You know, you hit on a couple of things that, that what does the community need? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think enough of our schools are focused on that exact principle. Because I think about you know where I grew up, my wife grew up, and her parents still live. The neighborhood is getting older and older and older, and it's not because there's not young people there. It's just that the young people are there were never trained in position to take ownership of their own community, so they're just used to being consumers within that uh, and within the community, and not being part of the being part of the conduit that the glue that brings the community together, and I think that shift now is ever more needed uh, in a lot of our communities because, again, I'm a product. You know, We know the migration patterns of leaving the inner city and moving out into the suburbs in Houston. You start out on the north side, you're gonna keep on moving north until you eventually hit Humble or Porter or move up to Kingwood. Mm-hmm. If you're from the south side, you're gonna go from Third Ward and you're gonna keep going until you get out to Pearland. You know yeah. what I mean? That's that migration that happens so then, our communities start to die from within.
2: Yep, yep, that's it. You nailed it, man. And that's the, and that is the difference. Like when I was growing up, it was like, man, you got to work hard to get out.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and I learned that that never changes the existing reality. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, like. Like if I'm under the philosophy as a principal, it's like man, I, and and not saying that getting out is bad. Exposure, all this to the world is great. Like the, so, uh, the people that's listening, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that in the, to a certain degree. But what I'm saying is that that never changes the community. Everyone, all all it is is recycling for the next person to come in, and and then it's it's almost literally a system designed for a lottery for many of our young people that are are suffering from a condition that is imposed in regards of this, in regards to structure, right? For example, all the colleges, like everybody can't go to college. It's literally it's literally impossible for everybody to go to college. The system is like, hey, we, that's why the, the tests, test, test, historically, standardized tests start to predict how many prison cells that they were gonna start building by the age, by third grade or fourth grade, right? So instead of saying, right, like, like let's unpack that. Instead of saying like, okay, Students who are maybe struggling with reading, instead of saying like, hey, let's figure out a different way that is prevent or support, right? We say like, listen, they're gonna have a life in the prison system. And let's, let's talk about the school to prison pipeline, but also the school to poverty pipeline. And it's really now reversing that or unpacking that to the school to power pipeline, right? and the school to power pipeline is okay i'm not just trying to get you to get out of the community i'm trying to get you to transform your community like i'm born and raised from compton i i am good like honestly i don't have to my wife tell me all the time why are you being revolution just be a principal we got it we could just let's go and find we can find another house in somewhere else and leave because when you when you decide to make a, a a decision to be to be a fighter for liberation, I mean, I'm, this is a this is my this is who I am. This is I'll probably do this until I'm no longer here. But it's like I want to make it to the point where, hey man, I'm I'm buying my house in the city where I come from. Like my young people, it's like you don't have to leave here to get a quality to, to, to go get a quality education. You don't have to leave here to go get a nice a nice meal somewhere. You don't have to leave here to go. We don't like in compton we don't even got a movie theater. You know what I mean? Like we don't even got a movie theater. We don't even got we don't even got a bowling alley. We don't even have things to entertain. We gotta right. leave. We don't we, we gotta leave. You know what I'm saying? Like that's a problem. Yeah. So instead of saying like, all right, let me go in and teach my students, like, hey, y'all, you see what we don't have? Y'all gotta leave. Like, you gotta go out, you gotta leave, just leaving everybody here in the same mess, versus like, there's gonna be people naturally leave, right? Like, that's naturally gonna happen. Migration naturally exists. But there's not enough people that's saying like, nah, wait, wait, collective cooperative economics. I ain't, we ain't teaching about cooperative economics in school. We're not teaching them that, so it's like, okay, let's Let's do this collectively together. And that, to me, is a true definition of a community school.
0: Mm -hmm. To you? Mm -hmm.
2: You hit it on the head, a community school. And you
0: would think, because most communities, some of the first things when you got into a community, the first things that they set up was a church, uh, a school, and a financial institution. Yep. You know what I mean? Those, Those are like the staples of what you would need to build a community. And if you're if the things that you build for your community are not enriching your community, then that becomes a cancer.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. And a, and a lot of our schools are probably cancers in our community. Oh yeah. And we wonder why the community is dying is because the school is dying. The school is, is killing it from the inside. Yeah. You know, I was in 1958 a 19, when I graduated high school. Um, my high school now, it's barely a 3A high school. Hmm. Even being shifted as and labeled as a fine arts academy, now mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know receiving those extra funds to try to funnel in kids, the enrollment is still super low, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but still underperforming. And the continued con- continued argument is, well, you're not getting the best teachers to teach in in these low income schools, mm-hmm. and I always say. It, I can. I feel like the right teacher. I don't care if you're the wrong teacher. Put you in the right environment, you can be taught how to teach properly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But just like it takes with children <laughs> to teach them with that repetitive reminders of what to do, how to do, what to do, we can't get frustrated with teachers when we're trying to teach them how to be culturally responsive. You know how to be. You know, cognitive of students' uh, social emotional needs. Yep. You yep. know, which is right now. I mean, the suicide rates between, 4 I know, my age group and your age group, that's one of the fastest growing right now. Absolutely. And that's scary because that's, that's cutting yourself off before you even, you haven't even bloomed yet.
2: You, and, and that's the reality. And I don't want to, you know, I don't know if you were about to say something, Kyle.
1: <laughs> no, you finish up and then I'll ask you a yeah, follow-up no, question. Just,
2: yeah. I think it goes back to like this, this notion of failing. Like we're all adapting right now. Right. And then like, even like this form, like underperforming, underperforming to whose standards? Right. Because like, um, the standard for the most part is being in underperforming schools is your standard is based off of how many students you can get out that could uh, most of the time be assimilated, that culture assimilation. Right. And I think like for a community school, we, we need to redefine, and for me personally, redefine what um, success is. You know what I mean, because to me, like, for example, my, my role, and there's a lot of people that oppose to what I believe in, but like my, my, my success isn't how many students I can get out to be at just college. My, my, my role of success is how many students can achieve self-actualization how mean how many students can understand their needs and their how many? how many kids out of high school know knew their strength like knew I was good like can say I'm good at this and I struggle at this right what if what if college was saying like, hey what do you want to do and let us facilitate that for you? let us facilitate your growth right And many of our students go to colleges not even knowing what they're good at they're not good at what they want to do, what they don't want to do. If you know anything about, a good, again, we're all, if you're for capitalism or not, a, for cap, or want, whatever you want, we are living in a world of capitalism that we are forced to survive in, thrive in, whatever the case may be. Understanding that time and money matters in society. The time spent, the time you put towards something, as a school leader, you have the 80-20 rule, right? Like that 80% of your time is committed towards something. Um, So it it will behoove me or be remiss for me to say then, I need to really work with my young people, especially at the secondary level, to say like, what are you good at? What are you trying to grow at? What are you intrinsically trying to, what's your purpose, alchemist? what's What's your hidden treasure, right? But they leave not knowing none of that. Like, like we're young people. We were born as creators and explorers. But then we get to school and it's like conformed to, hey, you have to walk on the lines and color inside of the lines. And I said, well, I didn't wanna to try to change that. I wanna to try to reverse engineer. Like, your. I wanna bring that creator and explorer back, right? And I don't think that that is um, always the truth, when it comes to performance, because the performance is usually tied to graduation rate. All right, whatever. Um, you can. I see schools that got a hundred percent graduation rate and then like twenty percent college acceptance rate. <laughs> like who? Like and then I see students that have a one hundred percent college acceptance rate and you know none of the kids finish college, right? So our 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 norm of performing is how many kids we can get to a institution, and we all know like. That that's a that's a that's a uh, lottery for many of our kids coming from the inner city, and if I'm on, on the West Coast, and I said this is if I'm a if I'm a if I'm a black student on the West Coast in California, and I want to go to I I have to literally leave California to go to a black institution, right? Where where's the there what what black college universities in California for them to go and and really say like. Comparable. You have Charles Drew University out here that's predominantly shaped for doctors, cool. But that's just a university college. After that, you got urban college. You don't have a HBCU, you don't have no expansion of that, right? For for, for the black experience in education, on depending on where you at, you have to go and seek yourself where somebody else has provided themselves. Oh. Right. And that that is a huge difference, right? And and that's that plays on the psyche of a young black student on their critical hope in education and if i want to provide hope for the hopeless voice for the voiceless, and help for the helpless i have to try to change that um the best
1: way i can Wow. the um, uh yeah yeah, the follow-up question i wanted to ask the two of you you know like i'm a rural kid but Mm -hmm. I feel like I see the same things you talk about with Compton happening in my small town, like that businesses continue to leave and there are storefronts that are empty. And do you think kind of that same thing with community school, do you think that applies in rural settings as well?
2: Absolutely. I think, I think the, my, my belief is that any, I, I believe in seven, these seven principles of the Nguzo Saba. And in the guzo Saba is about unity. It's about cooperative economics. It's about creativity. It's about faith. It's about collective work and responsibility. It's about purpose. It's about these critical values that exist that is just like, if you follow those principles, greatness, great things happen. All the big businesses they you have the cronyism that happens. That's cooperative economics, right? You have, uh, you have a village of people that does little things. So if, if in a rural area, having a community that have these values and what you want from, what, are the, what is the vision that you have for the community in which you, which you occupy? Well,
0: Prince Barra, you know, you know what you're asking education to do right now? You're asking education to individualize itself Based on the community needs that's around it, yeah. While at the same time preparing youngsters for if they do want that experience of branching out of where they are, giving them that experience and that ability to do that, that that's a lot. That's a big ask of education, who so really moves slower than than anything in uh you know in modern times.
2: And that's the, and that's the, I think that's the critical problem, because I would say this too, in many areas, in metropolitan areas, um, many schools have private institutions, independent schools, right? And then if you look at those independent schools across the nation, uh, if you look at private schools, 79% of students that attend private, 69%, not 79, 69% of students that attend private institutions are predominantly white. Right, um, And if you look at a lot of independent school structures, they focus on different things and they're playing a totally different game than public education. So my thing is this, um, we're trying right now, public education has standardized, unstandardized conditions, right? So we're, we're trying to standardize it in the area, but everybody's condition is unstandardized. So, what what is what is it now is now it's just like we picking who's gonna be or it's 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 pretty much darwinism survival of who who can overcome the challenges who has relative privilege with the two-parent house like i grew up in compton i had a two-parent household i was like fortunate that's in compton that's that's privilege right both of my parents had college degree in compton and, and with my homies i have privilege like I have to worry about food at home, like where my homie's like not even knowing growing up now as a 33 year old. I'm like, damn, sh- we all kicking it outside on the street. I'm going home to some good meal. My homie was going home trying to figure out what he's going to eat. I'm, I, I had have, I have my mom stayed at home. She was able to wake me up like, hey, it's time for school. His parents had to work night shift and morning shift. So he had to wake himself up. Right now you're talking about, but we, we, we under the same, we under this standardized way. We're in a standardized condition. We're under this, like for example, and I go back to, like, what is success? What is this like? What are we trying to? What are we trying to achieve right now? Like, what's 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 the goal of education? Because my, I thought our goal for me is to pro, is to produce, like my young people is for them to have the ability and the skill set to reach whatever dreams that they they want. Aspire for it, if it's in a community or not, right? But if you're leaving for me and people can oppose it, some people say that you shouldn't have that, but I feel that you have to know where you came from and never forget it because your community has made you or has had an influence on who you are, no matter if you like it or not, no matter if you like it or not. So if you are from Compton and you become this big time person in Europe or whatever, you can't never forget your roots. Marcus Garvey said, and i always quote it a student that doesn't know their history is like a tree with no roots. How can it grow?
1: And see that. And that was kind of the genesis of my question. Cause like, I don't know if you know, Wisconsin is a dumpster fire within a dumpster fire within another dumpster fire currently and mm-hmm. my little small town of 2200 people i see online and i hear people acting in a manner that i am just repulsed by mm-hmm. and it makes me start to think the things they say about people of color they the things they say about the groups but like those how many people who grew up in my town have my experience of living Mm -hmm. eight years in Houston and now teaching in the twin cities, Mm -hmm. not many. And what you just said really spoke to me because I've been thinking a lot of like, what's my, do I still have a responsibility there? I don't live there. I don't Mm -hmm. plan that my family will probably ever live there. But I'm starting to think to myself, like, what's my role? Like what's my responsibility to start to, to speak, truth to these people who are just saying things that are horrible and like people ask me if I'm worried about my kids online with distance learning and I say no I'm way more worried about adults who are home mm-hmm. taking in Facebook all the time as they work rather than my kids who are seeing funny videos on TikTok like that doesn't like I trust my kids online more than I trust adults right now mm-hmm. so I mean how do you think that applies in, in my situation to where I have a hometown that I've that I do still feel love for and I love going back there but it just I think it's I never really saw what it was until yeah. I left yep so what do you think my responsibility and I think it's, is I, man
2: you I'm so glad that you said that because it's really important because you talked about where you come from right and you still have not you have that experience who made you who you are who you are the man that I see right now right and now you are living a different experience in a totally different community however if you never had and you never valued the experience in which you had right and be able to reflect on is it right is it wrong for example you could have been growing up in houston like yo this is chaos this is and then now you're exposed to like whoa this is totally different Then probably made you reflect on like wait man those are some valuable lessons i learned those are some things that are happening that. I like that I wish my current community had, right? And in, in the African diaspora, you have this like energy, you have this village energy. And it's like, it's, and I say it's love, it's learning off village energy, L-O-V-E. So you learn off village energy. And the whole, your roots is grounded with your experience from Houston, from childhood. Like, like that's, you. we all have some trauma, we all have some sacred knowledge that we must be relative to. So what I say by that is knowing your past so you can grow and know where you're going is you make these decisions. And my father always told me, boys make choices, men make decisions, right? And when you make a decision is, I'm making a decision to bring my history in the connectiveness I had from my experience of Houston to also grow and influence and possibly change the circumstances in the community in which I now operate and occupy in, right? And through this energy, through this love of who you are and your connection from your past, right? That is still holding on to your community roots and spreading it and planting the seeds in your current community. You know what I'm saying? So I want to make sure for the people that's hearing me, it doesn't always mean that I need to always go back to Compton. That's great. Cool. But I never forget where I came from because the things that I love and the things that made me who I am today, I value and somebody else can learn from. And then that other person can grow from. And then now the community in which I come from and the influence in which I have has now impacted another community in which shapes the world. For example, if you don't have a vision for yourself or your community, somebody else has a vision for you and your community. That's just facts. If you don't have a vision for yourself, right? The system, I tell you right now, the system has a vision for a lot of black and brown children. I can tell you that right now. Because if they didn't have a vision for it at third and fourth grade, they wouldn't be talking about building prison cells. Right? So in your community, you gotta ask, what is the vision in which, what is our mission and what is our vision? What are our values of the community? Right? And these, and that's why I go back to the, the, the seven principles of faith, unity, vision, all creativity. All these things come together so in your situation, you know, uh, you, you, you ask yourself and it's tricky, man, because like I told you, it goes back to my wife be like, man, just go and leave. And It's so much easier to just go and say, look, and I'm about to find me a space. It's so much easier to do that, right? Um, but like, let's say you make a decision. You're like, yo, I want to try to change the circumstances of my community, right? And yes, there's an evolutionary process with it. Like that's going to naturally happen. A podcast like this. Talking with one teacher, one, one teacher becomes ten teachers. Ten teachers become hundred. hundred become a thousand with having the same ideology. And now you're talking about setting a group that first follower mentality. And you know, you just you just grow. That's a that's an evolutionary process. And I think this one this one guy said it. he said you can turn around overnight, but it doesn't mean it's going to turn around overnight. Right? Like tomorrow you can wake up Kyle and say, you know what? I'm going to start. A freaking group on Facebook that's going to just bring people in the community together to talk about what are our values and try to talk. Like you turn something around overnight and you got 50 people that you're communicating with to talk about just where we're going. Does that mean that you're going to walk out and you're not going to hear a racist comment said in a community? No, doesn't mean that. But it means that you turn something around and you're, you're starting something. And that's revolutionary. Like that's an immediate impact. So those are things that I kind of just talk about um, with knowing like yourself and knowing yourself in context of the world.
1: Yeah, I mean, and it just, and I think it's a combination of, you know, like you said, being a kid, not being privy to the way things were and really just, and I know it's a circumstance of the world we live in now that the Facebook especially Facebook has become, you know, the place where a lot of this happens and people who I grew up idolizing, who I loved are now insulting every single person in the community that doesn't agree with them. Yep. There's no, there's nobody coming together to talk about, you know, and, and granted like masks is a super easy one to go at. It's a super divisive issue, but you know, there are people there that just refuse to wear masks. Yeah. There are people yeah. there that, you know, and, and the thing about it is you can't even have a conversation about it. That's the key idea. You you couldn't have a conversation that just said, hey, for the betterment of our community and for our kids, it's you know, from a teacher's perspective, we're gonna wear masks when we're out. Yeah. But I mean, there are people there that are are kind of doing whatever and I don't want to get into an argument over the science or, or whatever it is but the thing that strikes me is a community that has been so tight-knit you know like so many I, I felt like it was just such a great place to grow up I I, I wonder what the kids in the schools are getting because the kids in the schools aren't I I mean I knew one black person before I went to college mm-hmm.
2: yeah.
1: and and that's I'm assuming still the way it is yeah And and I guess to ask a follow-up, and I've talked to Wilkie about this because I, you know, in my community and and you know, the culture that I grew up in in my university, they said, if you really want to make a difference, go to an urban school. Mm -hmm. And and I bought into that because I'm like, oh, these kids are underprivileged, they're this or that or the other. But I do wonder if my experience would be at times better served in a predominantly white school to share that experience because I don't think a lot of people, especially where I live now around the twin cities have that experience. What's going on fam? Welcome back to value adds value. My name is Kyle Krieger and I hope you enjoyed the first part of this episode um, with principal a Men Ra, our friend, a brother, a guy who is just doing incredible things, who we admire, and we we look to for his real, he's just, his I was gonna say realism, but realness, his authenticity, his genuineness as an educator, and telling his story, and it, it just, it, it that conversation is so timely, and it seems so crazy that we've had so many timely conversations over the course of Really, the whole time we've been doing this podcast, you know, the universe just puts us in spaces and places. It seems like to talk about the things we want to talk about and the things that are on our heart. So we really want to encourage you in 2021 to reach out with ideas, with stories, things um, that we could talk about that would make a difference for you. But um, to leave you on a little bit of a cliffhanger, there is a part two to this episode uh, with Principal Ra that will come out after Christmas um where we continue to dig into um what's going on in our world and and me this being kyle again with my rural background and my urban experience i i have a lot of questions um about what my responsibility is and we spend a lot of time talking about that in the next episode so if you don't follow principal raw get out there and find him um we got our books pre-ordered uh revolutionary educator and we're just so thrilled and we're so grateful um to be on this journey with you to have been doing this podcast now four years um and to just grow you know we've we've had about 80,000 downloads in four years and we are setting a goal to have 150,000 just next year and we really hope you can help us get to that to that milestone and to that point so we love everybody Happy holidays, whatever holiday you um, celebrate. We hope you are spending time as much as you can with family, with people you love, and and you're giving yourself time and space to just be. So we love you. Uh, please check back for the next episode uh, with Principal Ra, which will be one of the final episodes we have of 2020. So we love you. Thank you for everything, and we'll talk to you soon.